What's up everybody and welcome to Suplex Retweet Extra. My name is David Hockney and today we're going to be discussing the next in the TakeOver calendar. We'll be discussing NXT TakeOver Portland. So this is the first TakeOver of the new year following the sort of NXT Clash at Worlds Collide. And it's a standalone TakeOver now. It's not following any other sort of big pay-per-views or anything else. It's a standalone on its own and it's going to be fully loaded with six matches this time instead of five and we're ready to do a full analysis of them now. But before we do that, just make sure you're subscribed to our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at SuplexRetweet, uh, and on all good podcasting sites, including iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. You can subscribe to Suplex Retweet Extra and Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, our main channel. We've got new shows coming out every Thursday, as well as all this great bonus content we have here on Suplex Retweet Extra. So, now that we're all... Uh, Settled to take over, let's meet the panel. Up first is the Mr. It's My Podcast himself, it's Stevie Wilson. David, how's it going? Yeah, very good, thanks. You having a, You ready to do some NXT analysis now? Ah, it's always a joy to talk about Full Sail University's finest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a while since you've done any NXT stuff, hasn't it? Well, David, I was on the World's Collide preview and I was talking to you just not long ago, about the Wednesday Night Wars, so mm-hmm. apart from that, I've been very much on Indie Watch, so yeah, it's good to talk about NXT a lot more. Yep, and uh, also joining us today, it is the man behind the team of the only picks that matter, and he is now leading the charts of the ESSR Draft Season 4, who has gone on a bit of a savage street as of late, it is Ross McLeod. Ross, how are you? <laughs> David, it wasn't a savage streak. Sometimes the truth, the truth hurts. You know what I mean? Like, can I just ask you three questions? Yeah, go for it. Who who started the streaks as a monthly thing? You did. Who regularly comes up with the best intros and has helped you with intros in the past? You do. And who kept David Campbell relevant through live tweeting and you know this whole Roscoe shtick? the six months he was in Boston. You and Scott, probably. Exactly. So the three answers were me. So, you know, truth hurts, but David Campbell had to hear that and start the draft like. Jeez, how do you get your head through a door when you go that size? My God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got the metaphorical big head. I have the literal big head here. <laughs> well. Uh, anyway, guys, are you, um, you ready to discuss some... NXT TakeOver as we head to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, bring it on. Can I just say though, Yep. NXT TakeOver Portland, it sounds like a bit of a downgrade, you know, because we've had the big major cities like Chicago, Orlando, New York. Portland sounds like, you know how these American comedy shows where like, the billionaire loses all his money and has to move back to Portland for some (laughs) remote place. That's kind of what this seems like. 
I don't know. I think uh, Portland's got a good bit of history behind it. I mean, have you seen the the custom logo for it? I think because it's got the the saw blade and the chainsaws and stuff. I think it's to do with the fact that Portland's kind of like a like it's a timber state. Yeah, a lumber lumber city. Yeah. So well, that'd be lovely for a Bruce Springsteen song, but it's not exactly ideal for a takeover. Well, you never know. I mean, we've got six matches on this card as opposed to the usual five, so I think we could be in for a quite a special night here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll kick things off with uh, a rivalry that has been going on in NXT for quite some time now. And it's two guys that have really sort of broken out at the end of 2019. Uh, so we're going to kick things off with the North American Championship match. It's the champion Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. Now, Ross, on NXT this week, we had a vignette featuring Mark Henry talking about how these two guys have defined how big men uh, carry themselves in the WWE. Uh, do you think Keith and Dijakovic have exemplified what big men can really do inside the ring? Uh, yeah, because you know, near near the end of Mark Henry's career, you know, post you know Hall of Pain, uh, you know, near the end of Big Show and Kane's full times career, yeah, fans were kind of turned off by the whole big man shtick, you know. They were big men of a, a previous era, you know, they were more athletic than the likes of your Andres and your big John Studs. Mm-hmm. But the business was adapting to a, you know, a faster, more athletic style. And Keith Lee and Dijakovic are like the next generation. They're the next, you know, canes and big shows to come through with, you know, the hits of a heavyweight but the flying moves of a cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. And they've absolutely revel NXT itself, you know, they've got those two and Big Demo. And, you know, they've got Bronson Reed. They've got so many athletic big men in reserve. Mm-hmm. But these two, at the minute, are the standouts. Uh, and, you know, Stevie, um, Ross makes a great, great point that these two are the standouts because they were actually teammates together in war games at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. So do you think these two are really good, not just as competitors against each other, but also, like, really good teammates with each other? Yeah, the chemistry between the two of them is great any time they get in the ring, either be it singles competition, tag team competition, or we saw it in the North American Championship number one contenders match at the end of last year. Uh, I, or the start of this year, sorry, I think uh, these two are a great example of, they also they always say, no matter how, what time you've got, utilise it to the maximum. And the point where the Keith Lee Dominic Dijakovic rivalry started, NXT was still one hour, it was still pre-taped. You were only seeing this, the wrestlers like every so many weeks, so we weren't really getting to see the best of these guys. But these two put on fantastic match, a fantastic match at that point to make them stand out. And the minute that NXT went two hours, these two became two of the focal points of the brand. Yeah, totally. And you know, Ross, we've seen Keith and Dijakovic, you know, go back and forth so many times. And as Stevie said, they've had some amazing matches. One of which was even nominated for Match of the Year at the NXT End of Year Awards. Uh, but do you think it's sort of getting to a point where we're seeing these guys so frequently going against each other in NXT that it's kind of watered it down a bit? Or are you just not, are you just keen to see them go at it again? Um, well, well, I'll point to something actually on our Twitter page at the minute, at Suplex Retweet, mm-hmm. which a poll I put up earlier asking about, you know, the four men's matches on tomorrow's card. At Suplex Retweet yeah, for anybody that's listening. More people are excited for Keith Lee Dijakovic in that poll than are yeah. for Pope Champa. Uh, 
Keith Lee, Dijakovic currently has 20% in third place. Colin Champa is last place at 16%. And I was tweeting one of our listeners, David Holmes, and we agreed that when they fought earlier in the year, just to the points um, Stephen made, you know, it was still the one-hour show. We were seeing them every two or three weeks. Keith Lee and Dijakovic had not been on a takeover yet. And it's given them a chance to flesh out their characters. Now we're seeing them fight for a title with Keith Lee at the height of his popularity and Dijakovic with a much more fleshed out character. So I think, yeah, it might be, I believe, the fourth or fifth time we've seen this, but it's a more fleshed out feud now and it, I think it'll feel more fresh. It's not exactly Roman Reigns and uh, Baron Corbin style thing, you know. It's kind of, <laughs> of been gapped. It's been gapped in a way. There was the point where they had the match at the end of last year where Roderick Strong got involved, then it became Triple Threat, then they became part of that War Games team, and then they had the Fatal 4-Way. So they've kind of fleshed it out a wee bit over the last few months and kind of teased the kind of Steros. But any time they've kind of came close uh, to going at it, the fans seem to dig it. So if your fans want to see it, then by all means go for it, I'd say. Yeah, just on that note about, you know, like, you know, Keith Lee had his breakout moment at Survivor Series weekend. But I think... In conjunction, I think Dijakovic kind of lost a bit of steam after that because even though they both were on the winning side in war games, Dijakovic wasn't even on the the NXT team at Survivor Series, and you know he sort of had to earn his way back into the into the championship picture by defeating guys like Damian Priest and you know going through Cameron Grimes and that sort. But do you think this is sort of a bit of a redemption arc in the way that Dijakovic is now? finally back to where he should be you know despite a few sort of unfortunate uh changes um no i i think it was just the luck of the you know there's so many people on nxt pardon me there's so many you know people that had to be used you know, for the, the the Survivor Series War Games weekend, maybe they just thought, you know, Dijakovic, you know, maybe he had a wee niggling injury and we just thought, you know, give him the night off. Maybe they felt, you know, the need for Walter to have an NXT UK representation. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's anything, anything bad. I just think it's the fact that Keith Lee is a bit more naturally charismatic and was already sort of over with the crowd, you know, for his theme song and just his antics. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, amplified from the Survivor Series performance. Dijakovic, I think, always had a spot. It was just a case of finding a storyline for him, and mm-hmm. we've, we've found it here. But just a, an interesting wee tip is this is going to be Keith Lee's second takeover. Yep. He's competed, as of this point, in more WWE pay-per-views than he has NXT takeovers. That's true, yeah. And he's also pointed out on his, uh, I think it was his Twitter feed, that he said this is his first singles match at TakeOver, and it's the first time he's ever wrestled in Portland. So he's only ever passed through like via flight connections and stuff. He's never actually competed in Portland before. Nice. So there's a, there's a wee stat for you. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to get your predictions now. Uh, Who's going to walk away from this feud, i.e. sort of their final chapter for now, uh, with the North American title? Ross, I'll start with you. Um, I think Keith Lee to win. I think he's, he's just won the title. I think 
they put the title on him so he didn't end up like a Braun Strowman, you know, a, a, a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think... Oh, sorry. I, I think, you see, because of the, the Survivor Series weekend and his Royal Rumble performance, I actually think Keith Lee's going to the main roster after WrestleMania, so I think Keith will win, but Dijakovic will attack him after the match. I don't think this will be the end of the feud here. Okay. And Stevie? Uh, what Ross says is interesting. That kind of the big question, obviously, is what's going to happen to Keith Lee. Uh, there's talk. Triple H has mentioned that there's been a lot of interest from Ron SmackDown in bringing them up, bringing them to their brands. Uh, but I still think it's too early on this feud. And yeah, I think this will be the conclusive ending between the two. Uh, Keith Lee, you win for me. Yeah, I'm agreeing with both of you. I'm also going to go with Keith Lee. I think you know he's in. He's an incredibly charismatic champion. He's probably one of the most over guys on the roster right now. And Ross actually brought up an interesting point. I think there is potential for a, a Dijakovic heel turn because he sort of carried himself as... Well, when we when he first arrived, he sort of came across as a bit of a heelish character, but he sort of transitioned into a face uh, sort of through, through natural progression alone. But I think we do need a definitive heel for the sort of North American title scene going forward. So yeah, Keith to retain and possibly a Dijakovic heel turn. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Okay. Uh, up next, we have, uh, well, a lot of people are describing it as a, a dream match, touch wood, uh, because, you know, we've, we heard the phrase dream match go around and it kind of spoils it a bit almost, uh, take... Styles Nakamura at WrestleMania 34, for example. But I think there's a lot of people very optimistic about this one. It's Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. So the Prince versus Mr. Wrestling. Now, Stevie, we've seen, we discussed on the Wednesday Night Wars that, you know, Johnny Gargano's had his first NXT TV match in almost four months. And it looks like he hasn't lost his step at all. No, he's, he's a guy who's a natural in the ring. He just looks like he just loves having great matches, whoever he's up against there. And as we said on that show, David, probably a breakout performance in NXT for uh, Cameron Grimes, which was always good. But Finn Balor's an interesting animal nowadays in NXT. The heel turns done wonders for his character. He looks like he's, well, for, as a, I wouldn't say enjoying so much for a heel, but he looks like he's in his element being that bad guy that everybody grew to love in New Japan when he was leader of the Bullet Club so mm-hmm. it's a match I'm looking forward to and as we said on the Wednesday Night Wars the the feud's probably benefited from having that takeover gap as opposed to it happening at the War Games pay-per-view yeah definitely you know Ross uh, this is the benefit of you know a good feud biding its time just to uh, you know build towards an excellent uh, crescendo so do you think that you know, Finn Balor's heel turn and move back to NXT and his sort of conversion into the Prince character. Is this the Finn Balor we've been wanting to see in WWE for some time? Yeah, I think it's... Um, obviously, he, he came to the main roster or, you know, Ron SmackDown 2016. He unfortunately gets injured straight away. He has to kind of earn his way back in. Ended up on Raw in 2017 a bit crowded you know as a face he wasn't really doing much and you know Gargano alluded to it in that brilliant one-on-one promo segment a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. 
he ended up, you know, fighting Bobby Lashley weeks on end, getting beat, fight, you know, he, he, he ended up in those sort of feuds a good few times against Baron Corbin, against Elias, you know, against Bobby Lashley. His two Intercontinental title runs didn't really do much. This, I think, is the baller we wanted and we would have got had he not got injured in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact to put him back on NXT on week one of what was their Wednesday Night Wars was an absolute genius move. Mm-hmm. And it's only reignited Balor and it's excited the fans because there's so many matches, this one included. That as soon as he went there, we went, we could get that, we could get that, we could get that. Mm-hmm. And Stevie, the, the, the sort of the, the, the foundation of this feud sort of lays between, you know, Johnny Gargano being the heart and soul of NXT, Mr. Wrestling, Mr. Takeover. He's the one that sort of took the ball and rolled with it with NXT in the last sort of few years, say around 2016 onwards. And that was around the same time where Finn Balor got moved to, or drafted to Monday Night Raw. Uh, but then Finn Balor is saying that he was the, the flag bearer of NXT. He's the one that put NXT on the map. Do you think this is quite a good foundation for a feud for these two to, to build off, given that, you know, they're sort of two sides of the same sort of turning point that made NXT the brand what it is today? I think it's a more logical way to go because we've seen in the past with face heel dynamics at times they can be quite lazy and just go oh the just start believing the fans and I said to the top but what Balor's done quite well is his his one is when Balor was in NXT Balor was the guy who he held that NXT title with pride fought great matches at all the takeovers and he was probably at the main guy at the point where NXT grew significantly at that point. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously went to the main roster, as Ross said, and he's had a lot of, with the injury and everything, it's not really taken off, while as Johnny Gargano has had great match after great match after great match. And as much as we all loved Finn and NXT originally, he never put on a five-star match. Johnny Gargano's put on five-star matches with Andrade, he's put on five-star matches with Tommaso Ciampa. So else, Finn, I think it was someone else you're missing too. And Adam Cole, of course, yes. <laughs> yep, well, you said it very quickly too. Yeah, so he's had all these matches. Austin. Yeah, Austin Jenkins. Uh, he's had all these He's had all these great matches, and this time something that Finn, as great as a champion he was, he never quite got that recognition from that perspective. So he wants to go out there. He, as he's actually said, he doesn't actually want to go out there and put on a five-star match. He just wants to put on... You know the fight. What he classes the final match of Johnny Gargano's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was even a moment at Worlds Collide where you know Finn takes the opportunity to try and get it. Gargano, you know, he attacks Tyler Bate. He attacks Trent Seven following uh, DIY's match with Mustache Mountain. Uh, is it little snippets like that that really sort of you know just keeps reminding you of that of that this this potential great feud that's happening, given that it started all the way back in November. Ross, I'll, I'll ask you about that. Yeah, it's, again, like, we're on, obviously, at Suplex Retweet on Twitter. Uh, Balor Gargano, 36% leading the poll for the match people are most excited about. Um, We discussed with some of our listeners that the fact that this feud started all the way back in November, or sorry, October, and Gargano got injured, has made you want it that bit more. You know, they, they dangled that in front of you and then took it away, but obviously not. They didn't take it away 
you know, they replaced it because Gargano got injured, but you know, it was taken from you and you didn't get that match and everyone is salivating at the thought of this match. Mm-hmm. And it's just wee things like Gargano showing up and costing Balor the number one contenders match. Balor attacking people that Gargano just fought because they're in his way to get get to Gargano. You know, mm-hmm. wee things like this, just keep it going and keep it fresh because as good as pull apart brawls and you know as good as that interview segment on NXT, I believe three weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, was you can't do that every week, and these things have kept it fresh. Yeah, they've done really well with sort of keeping it uh, hot in everybody's minds. Uh, just one last point before we get to predictions, Stevie. Do you think this match could potentially be match of the night and or a five star classic? Um. I think it could have potential to be a match of the night, but given the way the way Balor's working, I can't see it being a win for the purists. I think Balor might just uh, put on a nasty streak. It'll be a good match, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. I think they'll intentionally kind of build it between the two of them, not in the traditional Johnny Gargano style clash. Okay, fair enough. Right, important uh, important time now. Predictions, Ross. Who have you got and why? Um, well, just. To your previous question, I don't think it'll be a five-star match. I think Balor's very much wrestling the style Neville uh, employed during his King of the Cruiserweights. He took away all the the high-flying fancy stuff, ground and pound, make the opponent pay. I think... I think Johnny Gargano for the win. Okay. Uh, Stevie? Uh, I'm going to go against Ross on this one. I think uh, Finn Balor needs this probably more than Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano can look exactly great while losing, but if Finn wants to become, I think Finn will end the year probably as NXT champion, and to do that, he needs to continuously look strong, so Finn Balor for me. How dare you have a difference of opinion from me? (laughs) Um, So I'm the uh, I'm the deciding vote here, and you know what? This, This has actually been the hardest one to try and predict. Because my instinct, my instinctive reaction is Gargano is going to win. But given that, you know, Balor has had this new attitude since November, he comes out like a, pro- like a proper like pack level style bastard heel with the way he carries himself in the ring. I, th- I think he does need to keep looking strong and keep that momentum going. So I'm also going to go with Finn Balor on this one. But a loss for Johnny at a takeover, it doesn't really do him that much harm compared to somebody who's had to sort of rebuild themselves up from the ground like Balor has. So it's uh, it's going to be a two to one in favour of Finn Balor for this one, I'm afraid. <laughs> You're all wrong and I'll prove you wrong this Sunday. Uh, you said I said the exact same thing when I picked Undisputed Era to beat Imperium at Worlds Collide, and look how that turned out. <laughs> yeah. I uh, just before we we obviously moved to the next match, mm-hmm. I said Keith Lee Dijakovic doesn't look like it's over. I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see, and I know the fans won't like this, a DQ finish, and then WrestleMania weekend these guys go at it in a sort of stipulation match. Ooh. I think the only reason this isn't a stipulation match is because of one of the women's matches, which is a lot more personal. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's a fair point. Yep, and speaking of said match, we're going to come straight to that one. It is the street fight between 
former Team Kick, Team Kick besties, we have Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai. Now, Stevie, you're a big fan of Tegan Knox, right? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of Tegan Knox fans out there, David. I think from what I've gathered yeah. over the last week or so. Well, you're certainly the mo- you're certainly the biggest fan within our sort of our proximity. So, is it is it is it also true that you've actually watched Tegan Knox's comeback story on the Performance Center YouTube channel? Yeah, I watched it earlier on tonight in anticipation for this podcast, David, and it's uh, it's four very short six minute uh, videos. They, they did for it but it really gets you you know mm. it's quite it's quite heart-wrenching just watching the kind of the journey she's went through over the last pretty much two years uh, with these the double knee injuries and said that, and how much it's actually made to her to actually come back so if you weren't backing Tegan Knox before that you'd be backing her after watching that just how much it, how much she's went through and how much it means to her to actually be back wrestling because it's a nasty injury that she got. Yeah, so now Ross, uh, we just spoke about how Tegan Knox has made quite a miraculous comeback following her broken leg. But what a transformation Dakota Kai has had since uh, the TakeOver War Games weekend. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of uh, people were saying that, you know, she was going to potentially turn heel and cost her the match. But like the way her heel turn was executed, do you think it was probably one of the best? the best ways they could have done it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think Tegan Knox plays a big part in that, though, because, you know, Stephen mentioned the comeback documentary, how many people wanted her, you know, to to win the May Young Classic, how many people wanted her to come back and win the NXT UK Women's Championship. Then she pops up in NXT and it's like, yes, here we go. You know, it's someone like Tegan that's made that heel turn that much better, you know, much like when Champa turned on Gargano, it's because Gargano was a beloved face mm-hmm. and Gargano and Champa were a great team. Dakota Kai went from this, you know, plucky bully victim at the hands of Sheena Baszler who, you know, I'm, I'm going to try my best and, you know, it, you know, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog and, you know, all those crappy cliches to just being one of the worst, most despicable human beings. And I think the way it was carried out, we all thought when we watched it together, right, yeah, Tegan will come out third, Dakota Kai will be the fourth member, and she'll just walk away. But the fact that she was third out, she locked uh, Tegan in the cage with her, and then went after that leg, that leg that we all wanted to heal quickly so she could get back in the ring. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was so, you know, so despicable and it was over something so trivial has just made it that much better. And it's it's why this feud is possibly one of the best on any of WWE's shows just now. Mm. Yeah, I was hoping it would be on sort of levels with Champa and Gargano in the way that, you know, an injury is keeping one of them away for quite a while so they can sort of build time with the feud. But... Uh, Stevie, we we also brought this up on the Wednesday Night Wars is the fact that you know Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai they've already had a one a traditional one on one singles match in which Tegan got the win after using the the knee brace, and I'm I'm going to open it up to you as well, Ross. Um, do you think having that one match on NXT TV for free has kind of dampened this feud a bit, or do you think it's just fueled it even further? Uh, 
I would have said, we said this on the Wednesday Night War, David, I think um, the way they had the finish made it feel a bit more like they amped it up a wee bit more for this, but I would rather they didn't have the match on NXT, but the way they booked the finish on that particular one, uh, I'm not too bothered about it, especially the fact that they, just, they put the extra stakes on this match and made it a street fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ross, you know, have, on NXT this week, you know, they ended up having a brawl and had to be separated by security guards. So I think it makes a lot of sense that they're having the street fight stipulation and the fact they just want to, you know, beat the hell out of each other following, you know, what happened at TakeOver and stuff. But um, Dakota Kai has also been brushing shoulders with the likes of Candice LeRae and Mia Yim as well. Do you think there would have been any chance that, you know, had they kept Tegan off TV a bit longer, do you think we could have possibly seen a Dakota Kai versus Mia Yim level of street fight given their last interaction about last month? I, I don't think there's any real interest in that, no offence to Mia Yim, but she's not exactly a, a compelling character at the minute. She was the the obvious choice to get taken out of uh, War Games, and I think the match on free TV, I don't think it dampened it. I think it was needed, because much like I'm saying with Balor Gargano, where oh, it might be a DQ finish and leads to a street fight further down the line, I think they would have done that on NXT, t- uh, like on a takeover anyway. So it's just a case of, you know, amping up how personal this is and getting to the point where it's like, yeah, we need a street fight to just let these guys get at each other and end the feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Stevie, just one last point as well before we get to predictions. Uh, there's obviously a, a potential wild card here with that being the third member of Team Kick, Candice LeRae. Do you think there's potential for her to get involved in a in this match as well, given that there'll be no disqualifications? Uh, well, if you... Back to the documentary, David, uh, one of the probably more than Dakota Kai, Candice LeRae is heavily featured in that particular documentary about how, you know, she was she was there with Tegan Knox at the hospital when she went to get the operation. She went to Cardiff for a match with uh, uh, Kayleigh Ray right over the takeover weekend last weekend. So... Candice is just as big a factor in terms of a friendship as Dakota Kai was and obviously she was friends with the two of them so mm-hmm. I think it's pretty much a certainty that Candice gets involved. Now I would assume it's a foregone conclusion that she'll get involved to help Tegan if, if she does but it's wrestling you never know it could be a twist although I don't really see Candice as a heel. Mm. Yeah I mean I mean crazier things have happened in NXT before but you know, I wouldn't, poss- wouldn't rule out the possibility of uh, Candice getting involved somehow and, you know, touch wood that, you know, we could see her aligning herself with Dakota. So, uh, let's get to predictions now. Ross, who have you got and why? I've got Dakota Kai because I picked on the draft and it would annoy people. Oh, yeah, she's on your team, isn't she? Yeah, one of two people I've got on this takeover. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Stevie, I know you've got Tegan Knox in your team, but are you going to predict the same the same way? Uh, talking about the draft, it's quite funny because me and Ross have both got the two people in this match, mm-hmm. and, we bo- and we've got both the Bruiserweights. So it could be an, it's an interesting <laughs> night for me and Ross coming up tomorrow. Yep. Um, if it's a feud, I, I, I think if it's if it was going to if the feud was going to go past this, I would have Dakota winning it, but. 
I think if this is going to be the end feud, I think the long term money is probably in Tegan Knox, given the whole where they were going to book her before she got injured. She was partly the favourite to win that May Young Classic. She was going to partly win the whole thing. Um, the comeback story writes itself, you know, if they, they could push her as a big baby face uh, for a couple of years to come. So I think it's probably logical that Tegan wins this. And, and Tegan Knox, we've not really had the chance to see her have a top quality singles match in WWE yet, but she is probably one of the best that we've produced from the UK, I'd say. Female, anyway. So you're going with Tegan Knox? Yeah, I'm going with I'm going team kick Lady Kane all the way. Yep. Uh, so once again, I'm back to being the, the 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 casting vote here. And you know, you make an excellent point about Tegan Knox. You know, you know, she has potential to be the next babyface female talent on uh, NXT NXT UK. But I think she would gain a lot more if the feud were extended all the way to Mania weekend and she get her gets her big win here. Plus, I think Dakota Kai is needs that big win on a takeover and then that would make the the feud at one apiece after this fight so based on that logic i'm actually going to go with ross on this one and say dakota kai see if that's the logic they go if they're gonna have another match dakota needs to win it you know mm-hmm. i just think this will be the end of the end of match of the feud that's why i went deacon yeah i see i, I think they're gonna I drag think... it oh, on you go sorry yeah i I think they're going to drag it, as you were about to say there. Mm-hmm. I do agree with Stephen. The money is in Tegan Knox. I don't think Dakota Kai's a great, you know, a great character with, you know, the potential to go far. I think she, if she's ever going to be a champion, she'll be a tra- transitional one. The, generally, the only reason I picked her in my draft is the fact that we have two takeovers, and I think she'll be on both of them. But mm-hmm. I, I do think this feud's going to go longer, and I think for it to go longer. Uh, Dakota needs to win. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on the fact that you know Tegan Knox is probably going to get that big win, but I think where we differ is when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what me and Ross are saying is that you know I think Tegan would benefit a lot more from a win at Takeover Tampa during Mania Weekend, but you know I think we're I think the consensus is we we're all fans of Tegan Knox and we want her to sort of be the next the next big breakout star. Yeah, Dave, quickly before you move on, actually, I think yeah, with Tegan Knox, I think the big money match, the NXT, given how Tegan Knox get injured, is a potential Tegan Knox Rhea Ripley feud down the line. Ooh, now that's tempting. It's got the whole history with how uh, how Tegan get, the match Tegan get injured in and yep. the aftermath of it, so just a quick pop move before you move on. Yeah, and Rhea's not... Well, we'll talk about Rhea in a minute, but uh, we'll uh, we'll get that in just a moment. Uh, but yeah, going on to the next match, it's the NXT Tag Team Championship matches. We have the Undisputed Era, represented by Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, versus the the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, winners of the Dusty Cup 2020. Now, Ross, I'll start with you on this one. How much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish? <laughs> That's the only thing I've been annoyed with in this whole thing. I think it's, it's anyone else doing that wouldn't have got away with it. Matt, Matt Riddle's sort of this dafty who does stupid jokes like that, but the fact that they brought a t-shirt out for it, good God. Yep, they've actually released merch of it. But yeah, that's how, that's how legit they are with that, that phrase. But it has been trending a lot on yeah, Twitter lately as well. It's trended a lot on Twitter. Does it not fill up your character limit? Um, 
I think you, I think it falls just short of it, which is which is great. What who's longest hashtag? Yeah, it takes up the full tweet, just the hashtag itself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, on a serious note, um, Ross, what I've we I've spoken to Stevie about what he thinks about the browser weights on when we reviewed NXT as part of the Wednesday Night Wars, but you know you hosted the Wednesday Night Wars last week when I was away and. You and Jack must have talked about them in quite a bit of detail. So I want to hear it from you directly now. What's been your impression of Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne as a tag team? Um, well, they were sort of just thrown together, weren't they? Uh, I think it was no secret when Alex Shirley signed with WWE, he was going to be the, the mystery partner for Kushida. And, you know, that wasn't a, a thrown-together tag team. It was a, It was a sort of... You know, it had history there with New Japan. This was the only real, you know, thrown together team. And people were sort of looking down their noses at it. People were like, oh, well, they're not going to win it. You know, they'll turn on each other or they'll turn on each other here. It's it's the sort of the KO Chris Jericho sort of thing when you're just waiting on one turning on the other. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole straight man and goofy character thing works really well. They play really well off each other, you know, the vignettes on uh, World Collide, the the promos, the night of the Dusty Cup, and then the week after, and then this week, you know, the road to Portland. Um, I'll tell you my prediction already, I want them to win, just so we mm-hmm. can see more vignettes of them trying to get back from Portland to full sale with <laughs> the tag titles. Yeah, and you know, you were mentioning like their promos and their vignettes and stuff, did you, did you enjoy like all these sort of um, drug-related references and stuff because we've done on take we've done takeover previews in the past where we sort of take the rip out of Matt Riddle for you know looking like a bit of a stoner. But having how does it feel you know seeing these sort of drug puns incorporated into the promos like you know joint manipulation and we're just going to be blunt with you that, like things like that. Like what, what what's your impression of it? I think when Matt Riddle signed with the WWE, we were all. Like, People that know his indie work, you know, he's very open about, you know, he, he does take weed, you know, he, he is an advocate of, you know, legalising it. But I think we all thought, oh, you're not going to see that in NXT. You know, they've, they've kind of used the, the you know, Cartoon Network terms for a stoner, you know what I mean? Like he's a yeah. chilled out guy, he's a laid back guy. But I think as long as it's, you know, once in a while, not constant, the, the puns work. It is quite funny, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I believe there was one where it was Pete that says, we're going to be blunt with you, and Matt just goes like that. I'm sorry I didn't hear anything you said after you said blunt. <laughs> yep. Uh, like, that's, uh, that's funny, I think. Oh yeah, sorry. But keeping it, keeping it every once in a while and not overusing it, which is a poor WWE trait, which is overusing the, the same joke constantly, mm-hmm. is the key to this team being fondly remembered because I don't see it lasting long. Right. Uh, now, Stevie, just to talk about Undisputed Era for a bit, uh, you know, these guys have been running roughshod over the tag team division for quite some time now. Like, Fish and O'Reilly uh, were the ones to defro- throw in the Street Profits at, I believe it was TakeOver the weekend was, of SummerSlam. No, it was, was, that, it, 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 it was on an NXT show because they... Yeah. They retained, uh, Street Profits retained at that takeover. That's right, yeah, and they won it, a, was it a couple of weeks later? They won it a couple of weeks later on TV, yeah. 
So that would have been around sort of. I believe it was the last set of tapings. Yeah, it was right before. It was right before they went live. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Roddy won the the North American title the week after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Fish and O'Reilly. You know, they've been a very well established tag team on NXT for best part of what, three years now, and they've obviously got history in New Japan as uh, Red Dragon. So, but there always seems to be a theme, you know, with Dusty Cup winners in that the winners tend to be a sort of, you know, thrown together tag team of two single stars and then going up against an established team for the tag team championships. Do you think this formula is starting to run its course or do you think, you know, having Undisputed Era being the sort of final boss in the tag division, going against these two, this sort of fresh baby face team of two singles guys, do you think this is going to really draw in like a new dimension for the tag team division? Uh, yeah, so you, now you mentioned it there, it's amazing how many, how pretty much the Dusty Cups associated with non-actual tag teams. I think the only proper tag team to have ever won the Dusty Cup was AOP, because when Undisputed Era won it, it was technically Cole and, Cole and O'Reilly, who weren't a proper team, even though they were a stable. Yeah, uh, that was obviously just because of Bobby Fish's injury, of course. Yeah, but uh, Undisputed Era, I mean, I might be controversial here, David, and try not to have a fit. Uh, uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are great as part of the four, but I'm getting a bit bored of them as a duo, as a, uh, just them. You know, they're great actual match. Their matches are great. They're actually a fantastic ring tag team. But outside of that, I think they, they're not. They look a bit more like these days a fish out of water. Whether or not with the, not with the, I think Adam Cole's. The, they've been together that long. And Adam Cole's the kind of glue in it. And without Cole, they kind of feel a bit, eh. I don't know if that's controversial or not. No, I mean, that's, I mean, you're not wrong because, you know, we've discussed in the past, you know, Roderick Strong is kind of nothing without the Undisputed Era at the moment. But, you know, Fish and O'Reilly, I think they carry themselves better, like, compared to, to Roddy. And they've been a tag team together for years, so you can tell that there's a ton of chemistry between them. And, you know, when you see them do matches together you know they're always going to put on a classic i mean just look at the the fight like the pretty much five star rated match they had with the revival on nxt tv uh on the go home show before survivor series like that was just outstanding um but we have talked about before like on the world's collide preview that we could be looking at potentially the, the downfall of the undisputed era here uh ross do you think that's a, a fair comment um, well, something I'd like to comment on is, you know, we, we've talked, you know, I've been a guest on Wednesday Night Wars with you, David, and mm-hmm. I've, I did last week's show. We always talk about NXT's uh, women's division being head and shoulders above, you know, AEW's. NXT's tag division at the minute sort of feels like 1995 WWF, you know, when you listen to one of our shows on Suplex Retweet Extra, the Monday Night Rewind with Chris and Nathan. You know, there's no tag teams at the minute. There's Shawn Michaels and Diesel as a sort of thrown together tandem. And there's Yokozuna and Owen Hart as just a sort of thrown together tandem. And what NXT have been smart with, you know, the whole the War Games and Survivor Series thing. You know, uh, Fish and O'Reilly were teaming to face, you know, Team NXT at War Games and then uh, the New Day and the Viking Raiders. Then, you know, the whole Imperium Worlds Collide thing, it's hid the fact that in NXT, 
there isn't really many teams. You know, th- there was eight teams in that Dusty Cup. Mm-hmm. They were one of them. Yep. Four of them were NXT NXT UK teams. Two of them, uh, w- one of them was thrown together, being Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. One of them was a, a reunited team from New Japan who are not established in NXT. And then one was the Forgotten Sons, which, you know, they're forgotten for a reason. <laughs> so I'm hoping that a, a Dunn and Riddle win. You know, I, I think they will break up eventually and have a singles feud. But I'm hoping they win and maybe carry the titles to at least WrestleMania weekend. Because... In that time, you'll need to build some new tag teams because it's getting, as as Stephen said, I'm kind of bored of not just Fish and O'Reilly, I'm just kind of bored of the Undisputed Era. Not like, oh God, break them up, but like, let's do something new, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the All the gold thing was good. They were actually the long... I, I seen a stat on that WWE Stats and Info Twitter account. I know which one you're like talking about, yeah. Yeah. They're the longest four-man group to hold, like, all the gold. You know, they're the only four-man group to do it for, like, I believe it's, like, 120 days mm-hmm. or something like that. And the last group so they were really Evolution. Gold. Yeah, and they they hard, they didn't hold it for long, you know what I mean? Ric Flair and Batista lost the tag titles, like, instantly. Yeah. Um, but it is a, a troubling time for the tag division. And I'm just hoping that while this feud's going on, it will be entertaining. You know, as much as we say we're sick of the Undisputed Era, they can still cut good promos and have great matches. Riddle and Dunn seem to be, you know, you know, the bells of the ball. They're the, the fan favourites at the minute. I just hope in the meantime we're building new tag teams in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, I think you pretty much covered all the points there, Ross. Like I think the, the need for new tag teams is definitely there. And I think, you know, come, you know, we're not that far away from WrestleMania now, so this could be a good opportunity to just press the reset button and get some some fresh faces and maybe even, maybe we'll even remember who the Forgotten Sons are. No, let's not. I'd, I'd rather, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather they just maybe had a wee feud with the Forgotten Sons, like uh, maybe Kishida and Alex Shelley, mm-hmm. have them have a feud with the Forgotten Sons just to build them up a wee bit, and then they can be the challengers for whoever comes out of WrestleMania weekend with the titles. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's predict this one. Now, Stevie, I'll start with you. Who have you got between Undisputed Era and the Broser Weights? Bro. Bro. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, I think it's a... I get what Ross says. They'll get a feud eventually, but as we talked about on the Wednesday Night War, David, uh, the pop, you, you need, they need to take advantage of how popular this duo have became, and they've got to at least give them a run for a bit. So I'm going to go with Broser Weights. Uh, Ross, now you've uh, you put your predictions earlier. You, you're also going to go with the Broser Weights. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm trying not to say like, oh, and then they'll they'll fight at WrestleMania weekend because I think we've we've kind of predicted so far that the first three matches before this, like, oh, I, the, the feud's not over. The feud's not over. So you know, uh, I, I I don't see the feud being over because of the there being no other tag teams at the minute. But I do think the Broser Weights will win. And I think in the lead up to WrestleMania, they may lose the titles, maybe about three or four weeks before. And mm-hmm. you can. I'd actually like to see Matt Riddle be the one to turn heel. They hinted at it, 
with the whole when he lost the North American title match against Velveteen Dream. Yeah, you know he started getting frustrated because he couldn't put him away. I think much like Shane and the Miz, when we thought it was obvious Miz would turn, and Shane was a bit of a shock, and it gave us a great character with heel Shane McMahon, and gave us the storyline with Kevin Owens. I'd like to see Matt Riddle turn heel because Pete Dunne gets cheered no matter what he does, and he he just looks grumpy anyway. So it'd be more of a shock to see the, you know, the easy-going Matt Riddle just lose it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you, you know, pick the pair. You know, you, you look at like who's most likely to turn heel and just go with the other person. That's I think mm. that's probably the way to go. But but yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to join you both on the predictions here. I'm also going to go with the broser weights, and uh, uh, that may be a, a shock to the system to hear. You know, me going against Undisputed Era, but. No, honestly, I've fallen in love with the the Broserweights tag team. You know, they're just so their their comedy timing is just spot on. But inside the ring, they just gel so well together, and I want to see more of them. They've got merch out, and it would be a really, really dumb decision to commit to a heel turn at this stage when they're just still peaking in popularity. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, so just two matches left, and they're. Quite biggies, uh, both with potential WrestleMania weekend implications. So we're going to talk about the NXT Women's Championship first. It's the champion, Rhea Ripley, captain of Team D1 is H, going up against the fresh princess of Bel-Air, Bianca Belair. Now, Ross, I'll start with you on this one. Do you think Bianca Belair has had a wee bit of a resurgence Uh given how well she did at Royal Rumble weekend, you know, with eight eliminations and being the Iron Woman of the match, given that, you know, between when she last challenged for the women's title and competing in war games, like, do you think Bianca sort of found new life in the NXT women's division? Um, I wouldn't say it's new life. I think the problem lies with and it's something we discussed with the Keith Lee, Dijakovic situation earlier on. The show used to be one hour long and, you know, you didn't see everyone every week. So, you know, you didn't have that, you know, weekly exposure to these people. And then something that plagued the NXT midcard before the North American title was introduced. There was nothing to fight over. You know, there's only the one women's title mm-hmm. in NXT. So I think um, like when you're not, in that women's title scene unless you're in a very specific blood feud a la Dakota Kai uh, Tegan Knox, you're not really on TV but yeah I think um, she did have a resurgence in popularity certainly you know in a case of getting her back in the viewers minds when she you know tied the Rumble record uh, along with Shayna Baszler and I think having her win the Battle Royal as well was a really good touch. You know, it just continues that, you know, she's the favourite when it comes to a, a Rumble Battle Royal situation. Mm-hmm. I think, though, Rhea Ripley turning up on Raw before TakeOver has kind of put her on the back burner. Yes, she's done her best to, you know, break out and get, you, you know, she's there. She's not going quietly. But. I think it takes away from this one a wee bit, the simple fact, and again, give my prediction early, I think it's the most obvious match on the card. Okay. Uh, now, Stevie, do you think 
there's been any women on any brand of WWE that's had as successful a year or last two years, say, than Rhea Ripley because she's been she's been in the Mae Young Classic before. She got she did very well in that. She was the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion, and she was the one to dethrone Shayna Baszler, who went on to have a 400-plus day reign as NXT Women's Champion. Like, do you think Rhea is now the the one to watch in terms of not just NXT's women's division, but you know the women's division as a whole in WWE? I'd probably say since. The kind of start of the May Young Classic in 2018, the only woman in WWE who's had a better spell in that time is Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. I think Rhea Ripley is the only one out with Becky. Becky's in a league of her own in terms of that. Maybe she, you maybe say Shayna Baszler if you're going to go anything, but Rhea Ripley, she's kind of emerged from the bottom, and it's great the kind of way they've done about with her. They've obviously seen potential in her from the first May Young Classic. She came back with a revamped gimmick. They then sent her to NXT UK, clearly as a move to kind of develop her a bit more, give her a bit more time, because as we've seen in NXT in the past, especially when it was one hour, it was quite a packed layout, so there was a lot of women there, so she might have had to get lost in the shuffle, but they sent her to NXT UK, they put the title on her, they they have a feud with Tony Storm, then Viper, and she came back at the end of last year, the more refined product, the more polished product, and as we saw in the lead up to War Games and Survivor Series, she broke out like Keith Lee did and they're paying the benefits to it. She is absolutely red hot in terms of a booking and if the, what we looked like we're going to see at WrestleMania is fruition, then what a fantastic spell she's had. Mm-hmm. Now, Ross, talking of those WrestleMania speculations, now we both, we've all seen Charlotte Flair was the, the winner of the Women's Royal Rumble this year. And but then it wasn't too long before rumors started floating around that Charlotte might actually be challenging for the NXT Women's Championship, never mind the Raw or SmackDown Women's titles. Because you know, it's, I think it's fair to say you know she's held both those titles for far too long on probably one too many times as well. But do you think the possibility of her going after Rhea Ripley or Bianca for the NXT? women's title is a breath of fresh air yeah yeah absolutely um like last year she held three smackdown women's titles and the longest reign was eight days you know i don't see why you know the whole money in the bank cash in you know after she beat becky under dubious circumstances money in the bank that's fair enough you know that's happened to many a wwe and women's champion in the past but you know could we not have maybe had you know, instead of the whole Becky being removed and suspended and all that crap, mm-hmm. could we not have had Charlotte win the title at like one at the February pay per view? And when Becky gets suspended, you could have had Charlotte saying to Ronda, I'll challenge you. You know, just just so the reign isn't pointless. But then, yeah. like, as you said, we've seen it one too many times. Um, it's kind of been overdone. And something I was, I was actually thinking about just there. Um, She's won the NXT title before, obviously. Yeah. And the the rumours of you know Rhea, you know her challenging Rhea. I was thinking it actually makes actually makes more sense that Rhea went after her because why would Charlotte go 
what is deemed downward to NXT. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole Rhea coming out and challenger going, I mean, you could pick those people you've beat, but you've never beaten me. It plays on Charlotte's pride, you know. She's the best women's wrestler in WWE. She needs people to know that. And she needs people to know that she's the best wrestler. So she has to beat Rhea Ripley. You know, she can't have that blemish on her record. Yeah, you, you, you touch on a lot of excellent points. And um, now, Stevie, we, we again, we referred to this on, you know, when we discussed NXT TV this, this past week. Like the all three of them had an interaction, not this week, but the week before. And, you know, NXT stood in solidarity against, you know, that arrogant, uh, the arrogance of Charlotte Flair. You know, it's almost dissing NXT in a way. So I think the there's been a lot of theories going around that could Bianca Belair possibly pull off an upset and somehow get involved in the potential WrestleMania implications? You know, could it be Bianca that goes against Charlotte or could we possibly see even a triple threat match between the three of them? Uh, no, simple as. Uh, <laughs> no disrespect to Bianca, but we mentioned the money match and the money match is Rhea versus Charlotte. The, I wouldn't mind a triple threat, but we had a triple threat last year. As I mentioned in the, when we spoke recently, David, yeah, uh, they did it last year with Becky, Charlotte, Ronda. They can't do it again this year. They need to have straight one-on-one match, and you know, Rhea's probably the best in terms of a bigger sale for WrestleMania. Yeah, you know what? I agree. I think Rhea Ripley's come leaps and bounds. You know, since the May Young Classic, since NXT UK, and I think she's earned her place at WrestleMania weekend and against. Uh, arguably probably the best female wrestler the company has to offer at this stage. So let's let's go to predictions now and I think we're sort of we've sort of unintentionally sort of leaned towards one way or the other. But we'll just get a confirmation. Ross, who are you gonna go with? Um I agree with Steven that you know we did a triple threat last year so it would be a bit it'd be a bit repetitive to do it two years in a row. Mm-hmm. WWE have a tendency, you know, in their mid-card matches, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> their mid-card matches or their tag title matches to kind of make those multi-man or multi-woman matches. So I think it'll be a straight-up one-on-one and it'll be Rhea Ripley-Charlotte. So I've got to go for Rhea. Okay, and Stevie? Yeah, I've got to go with Rhea as well. It's the most logical option in terms of a WrestleMania angle. Yeah, and I agree with both of you. I'm also going to go with Rhea. I think you, you both put excellent points forward that Rhea Charlotte is the money match for the sort of marquee women's match at Wrestlemania this year and also uh, Rhea is my draft team captain so a win for her would do me wonders for this season's draft at the minute. I'd like to change my prediction yeah, come on <laughs> <laughs> alright well sorry predictions are locked in now we've all gone for Rhea Ripley now one match left one match left to go and uh, Ross, I believe you said this was the, the match that was actually last in the Twitter poll we put out at Suplex Retweet. Yeah, um, I'll just double check at the moment because obviously it's ever-changing as is the universe as Thanos has taught us. Yeah, <laughs> it's still at 16%. Yeah, I'm just checking here. Um, 
at Suplex Retweet. You know, you have 20 hours left to vote at time of recording. We'll reveal the poll results before I live tweet NXT uh, Portland, which you can join in the conversation again at Suplex Retweet. Plug, mm-hmm. plug, plug. Yeah, um, yeah, 16%. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the fact that we've seen Keith Lee Dijakovic before. We know mm-hmm. it's great. Balor Gargano was that dream match. The Broserweights have, you know, taken off in popularity. Not since New Day have, you know, a team just turned it around and, like, taken off in popularity. So I think while the story of Cole Champa is great, I think this is another one where people are thinking this could probably just go to WrestleMania weekend. This, yeah, you know, the takeover before WrestleMania between the Rumbles. This sort of feels like, you know, WWE, you know, the main roster equivalent of like No Way Out or, you know, Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I didn't even read I out, I didn't, like... I, I didn't even give this match the grand uh, entrance either. So the match, uh, in case we missed it, it's Adam Cole, baby, going up against Tommaso Daddy Champa for the NXT Championship. <laughs> Please never say the word daddy again. <laughs> I think I got a... I said it on this week's Wednesday Night Wars. I direction. <laughs> I've said it on Wednesday Night War this week, uh, so you, you, if you want a reason to listen to it again, there it is. Yeah, but that was completely different. That was your actual show intro, where you said Daddy's home to say that you were back hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yes, I did do that. <laughs> but oh. anyway, back, back to the match. Yeah, so, um, sorry Ross, what were you saying about the... The um, the build for Cole Ch- Cole Champa. Yeah, it just um, it seems like it should be a WrestleMania match, and I think you know, I believe it was Nathan. He either he either said it or he retweeted it, where someone tweeted about WWE's road to WrestleMania and how the road needs a revamp because it's filled with you know pointless title matches and pointless you know feuds mm-hmm. and you know. The Royal Rumble winners dragged out a wee bit too long, which myself, Jack and Scott talked about on the Raw Report this week. Um, you know, sometimes they just lose interest in the Rumble winner up until like, the last five weeks before WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that's happening here. You know, we, we had Worlds Collide in the place of NXT TakeOver. We had, you know, feuds continuing. Could we not have just built towards... NXT TakeOver uh, Tampa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Could we not have just could we not have just kept, you know, building towards that? I think this stopgap is kind of it, it's a great card, don't get me wrong, but I think it has the potential to be a lot of dodgy finishes and screwy finishes and DQ finishes mm-hmm. where and I believe this is one of them I think I keep giving my prediction away, you know, I've done it three times in a row, but um, I think it'll be the usual Undisputed Era shtick with Cole retaining, and I just, I don't think it's needed. I think that's why people are so down on this match. Yeah, I think it's, you 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 make a good point, and there's quite a big gap between, you know, the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, because I believe it's like, what, seven to eight weeks between these two, and they have to fill the time somehow. But you, you make an excellent point of how it sort of dampens dampens things a bit because how many major changes do you expect to see going into Mania Week? And you know, Stevie, just to talk about Adam Cole as well, he's current. Well, when Takeover Portland airs, he will have been NXT Champion 
for 260 days. Uh, now, the longest reign at the minute is 292 days held by Finn Balor. Do you think there's potential that Adam Cole could go into WrestleMania weekend and become the longest ever reigning NXT champion? Now, see, we talked about this Wednesday Night War, David. Um, I was torn. I thought I think the two, these two will face both here and at Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I was quite torn about who was going to be champion going into Tampa. Uh, the more I've looked at the cards and the more I've said my predictions, uh, I've went with a very face-heavy undercard. <laughs> yeah, you have actually, yeah, because you've gone with Keith, Johnny, Tegan, Roserweight and Rhea. Yeah, so I think if I'm doing that one, I'm going to need to have a bit of flavour to it and I could see a screwy finish in this particular one. We don't have Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream on this card. They're fighting on Wednesday. Mm-hmm, uh, yep. So there's a chance that Roddy could get involved and then be neutralised by the Velveteen Dream. That kind of interchanges with that. So... I think it's probably, even though it's the main event match, I think it's the feud going into it that's got the the least build to it, which probably explains the results of the poll on the Twitter page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty evident of how our Twitter poll's been transpiring so far. But uh, now, Ross, what did you make of you know Champa's sort of redemption storyline about the fact that you know he's trying to claim his life back, he's trying to claim Goldie back because this week he carried out quite a really intense promo in the very same auditorium where he had to give up Goldie. I, have you ever seen a promo cut so intensely uh, on NXT before? Uh, no, even the two before that, you know, he's, I believe it's three weeks in a row, he's cut these promos about how he wants his life back and every one of them's just gripped you, you know. The only thing I can maybe can compare it to is, and Stephen, you'll remember this, it was the night before Feed and Loathing 2018 where Mikey Whiplash cut a promo without a microphone because ICW ICW wouldn't give him a microphone. Mm -hmm. So he started talking and this jam-packed garage with about 300 people in it fell silent to listen to every word that man said. And I believe not one person in WWE could do that other than Tomasco Ciampa at the minute. And the thing about Champa is we talked about Gargano getting injured, we talked about Tegan Knox being taken out, and we've had to wait for these matches. We've had to wait months for these grudge matches, these dream matches. They've done really well at keeping Tommaso Champa away from the NXT title while still keeping them in the frame for the NXT title. They have had, you know, the the War Games feud then they've had the fact that he's had to lead his team in a Survivor Series. Then they've had the fact that well, Imperium are fighting Undisputed Era, so you need something to do. So we're going to put you in a dream match with Mustache Mountain. You're going to reunite DIY. And now almost five months after his return, you know, at, you know, we're at a stage where realistically Tommaso Ciampa still shouldn't be back. It's 11 months after his next surgery. And five months after he returned he's going after Goldie and he's always kept it in his eye line even when he's had you know the Mustache Mountain match sorry Goldie I'll be with you soon war games sorry Goldie daddy's got to go to war when NXT invaded Smackdown when the stars couldn't get back from Saudi Arabia you saw the the promo picture 
Champa's right at the end and he doesn't take his eyes off Adam Cole because he's got that belt he never lost and it's been so well done and they talk about you know how WWE doesn't do long term storylines how the likes of you know New Japan and Ring of Honor build these matches up I would wager to say this has been done as well as any promotion in the world could do at building a grudge match and we're finally getting it the only gripe I have and I mentioned it earlier it's not Wrestlemania weekend Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you've, I think you've done uh, done us all a, a favor here, Ross. You've basically taken the words right out of everybody's mouth with <laughs> how we all how we all feel about this. But just one last point before we before we wrap up and get to the final predictions, uh, Stevie. Do you think Adam Cole, you know, potentially could be the longest reigning NXT champion in history? But do you think this storyline's definitely felt more? Champa heavy than it has Cole consistently trying to prove that you know he's he's the true guy to be holding the NXT title. I think so, yeah, because you've got to remember that between War Games and now Adam Cole's been a lot preoccupied with uh, Walter Walter and Imperium throughout that time. So it's a, over that time it's been a lot more about Champa, less about Adam Cole. And to be fair, Cole doesn't really need it. Cole's already done the craft he's established himself as that cool cocky heel so it's all about just putting the work in to establish his challenger and they've done that with Champa. Mm-hmm. so let's uh, let's go to predictions and i would like to get your thoughts on could we potentially see this match again at mania weekend so we'll do predictions first ross who've you got um i'm gonna go for cole I'm going to be really boring. I think it'll be a screwy finish, like I've said, for every match. I think it'll continue the feud, like I've said, every match. You know, it's just, it's one of those cards because of the placement of the year. It has the potential to continue, um, but I don't think Tommaso Ciampa will be walking into Tampa. Ciampa won't be in Tampa (laughs) as, uh, as the NXT champion. I believe Cole will walk in as the longest reigning champion. He is he is to Triple H what Shawn Michaels was to Vince McMahon in 1995. He is his golden goose. He loves everything about Adam Cole and he I think he's walking out with the title. But I do think Champ is walking out of WrestleMania with the title. Yeah, and Stevie? I can't really say anything else that Ross hasn't said in that particular one. He's pretty much got him spot on in terms of this was going. I did originally say, I originally thought that Champa would win here and win at Tampa, but now I'm going to go Cole here and Champa to win at Tampa. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here. I'm also going to go with Adam Cole. Like, oh, no again, again for, the same, <laughs> like for the same reason, you know, we talked about Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai earlier on. Like, I think Cole needs to win here. It gives him, you know, the right to brag that he could be the longest reigning NXT champion in history. But Champa needs that needs to get his life back on the biggest stage possible, and that is in Tampa. So all three of us have gone for Adam Cole in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can I ask a question? Right. Yeah. Obviously, with us predicting that Adam Cole is going to win and it's going to be a heel win 
something I brought up on the Raw report this week. Mm-hmm. I think because of the WrestleMania implications, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair will main event the show. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on who you think will main event. If she, see if Charlotte's see if Charlotte's showing up. That's closing the show, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. If if mm. if if that doesn't close the show, I don't think Charlotte will be there. But if Charlotte's going to be there, it'll close the show. See, I think you know, you mean for Portland. I mean it for Portland. If, yeah. If, if, sorry, if, I thought, yeah, I thought we were talking about Tampa. No, if, <laughs> no, no. No, if Bianca Belair, Bianca Belair and Rhea will main event only if Charlotte's going to show up. Yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, especially because you know this is a match that could be featured on WrestleMania as opposed to take over Tampa. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I've actually said before. I think it was Quack who I said it to. I think that the women's tag titles or the NXT UK women's title will mm-hmm. be defended at Tampa Takeover with the NXT, the SmackDown, and the Raw women's titles being the three women's matches along with the Miss WrestleMania pre-show battle royal at WrestleMania. Okay, well, certainly a lot to, a, a lot to ponder over and I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss this uh, every week on the Wednesday Night Wars as we build towards WrestleMania. Uh, but that's going to do it for our preview of TakeOver Portland. So if you want to listen to more great content such as this, you can follow Suplex Retweet Extra on iTunes, Anchor and Spotify and all good Android podcasting sites. And don't forget to subscribe to our regular weekly show as well, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We've got new content coming out every Thursday on our main channel, so be sure to check that out, especially the show we did this week as well where we discussed social media in wrestling. And if you want to read more articles or interviews uh, in greater detail, you can check suplexretweet.com. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well where we have a series where we tell our story of the 365 championship so all that remains to be said is thank you to my takeover panel uh stevie and ross thanks man thank you and uh, obviously make sure to follow at suplex retweet tomorrow night where i'm going to be live tweeting nxt takeover portland get involved in the conversation and then a week and a half from tonight i believe when crown jewels on i'll be live tweeting that as well super showdown Oh, Saudi blood money show, you know what I mean? Whatever it's called. <laughs> right, anyway, that's gonna do that's gonna do it for today. I've been David Hockney, this has been Suplex Retweet Extra. See you next time. <laughs>